from the center of the universe and the home of your Grey Cup champion, Toronto Argonauts. It's the X's and Argos podcast. Welcome to the X's and Argos playoff by week extravaganza. Ben Grant joined as always by JB. As we get you set for a, a week of relaxation as the Argos get to sit back and watch Hamilton and Montreal take it to each other and then get ready to play the winner. Before we get into anything that we're going to talk about today, we've got a fair amount on the docket considering the Argos don't have a game. I want to tell you about something in the water and the plans that they've got for the East Final. And it's going to be big. It's going to be a really fun event. Uh, JB, you and I will both be there, I think, and um, be able to participate in, in all this stuff. Uh, it sounds like a lot of fun. So obviously, you've got the beer. You've got Longboat Pale Ale, of course. Uh, Longboat's got to be part of your pregame festivities, pregame tailgate. Um, you've also got a barbecue. They're going to be giveaways. There's a whole lot more stuff going to be going on uh, noon till three. And so make sure you get down there in Liberty Village. We'll talk about it more as we get closer to the East Final. But yeah, that is going to be a, a great place to go pregame. And uh, yeah, it's it's always a good tailgate there anyway. But I think just knowing how many people are going down to, to BMO for this game, uh, it's going to be extra special. So make sure you get yourself a pint of Longboat. Maybe get yourself a hot dog. Uh, chat with other Argos fans, a couple Argos cheers, and then head on over to the game. We'll see you there. All right, JB, let's get into this one. We're going to go through the uh, CFL Division Awards, which came out today. And we'll talk about which Argos were winners in which categories and which have a chance to win the CFL Awards. We'll also go back through our initial power rankings from May and see how we finished up now that the season is done. And we'll get into the game preview of Hamilton, Montreal. Who should the Argos be cheering for? Who should you as Argos fans be cheering for? Who do we think the Argos would want to play? And we'll get into our predictions as well as our CFL picks. All that more coming up on this episode of the X's and Argos podcast. All right, JB, let's get into the uh, award nominees. So we know that the Argos have a historically good team this season, you would expect that they would have won a lot of uh, East nominations, and they did. They had six players nominated for CFL awards. So let's go through them and look at the players they're up against. But before we even get to the, you know, should they win the ultimate CFL award, getting this far is an achievement in itself. Sometimes they're just weird categories where someone in the, uh, the other division, sometimes it's someone in in the East as well just like blows everyone away. But we have to acknowledge how good to to get to the point where you are nominated of all the players in the East Division for that specific award. That's a really big deal. And so for all of these guys, uh, I think that's huge. And to have six nominees for the Argos is huge. So let's start off with most outstanding player. Chad Kelly won for the East. No real surprise there. There wasn't anyone from the other three teams that was ever going to threaten that. But we look forward and what he's facing down the road. How do you like Chad Kelly's chances against Brady Oliveira, given the the season that he had? Uh, It was a historic rushing season. How do you view the matchup, I guess, between Oliveira and Kelly for most outstanding player? Um, Well, I think I think Oliveira has has the lead. Obviously, he has the story that everybody likes and he has progressively gotten better. And he's played really well, and Chad only had to play like two-thirds of the season. So that's gonna hurt him. His success is gonna hurt him. He didn't he didn't have to win big games down the stretch. Um I, I think it'll be hard for him to win. Uh although, you know, again, in terms of replacement value, you can find a running back who's close to Oliveira, but you certainly can't find a quarterback that is close to Kelly. So to me, the, the positional argument is is in Kelly's favor, and therefore, the quarterback should almost always win if if it's close. But I think the the story of Oliveira, his sort of journey, um, the fact that he's kind of had this historic, and the fact that he is Canadian, I think all of that probably uh, gets him the win. He might, and he has a great story. I love the story, and I really like Brady Oliveira. I think he's a great running back. He's a really easy guy to cheer for, too. Just, you know, hearing him talk and, and you know, knowing where he's... It just his whole story and getting to the CFL yeah, and, and everything and, else, it's amazing. 
and really like to be to be honest like canadian candidates don't grow on trees for this award and that makes it an even better story and i love that that said I don't think I, I don't think you beat out Chad Kelly as a running back, even with this historic season. If if the quarterback nominee coming out of the East had had like, oh, you know, he'd been all right. Like, let's suppose Chad Kelly only played like six games all season and the best quarterback in the East was was Cody Fajardo and he was the East nominee. Then, yeah, of course. Yeah, obviously you give it to to Brady Oliveira. What Chad Kelly did was far more quiet, I think, than most people are, or maybe it seemed more quiet than it really was. Chad Kelly had a, an astonishingly good football season. He was 15-0 and in games where uh, he started and uh, wasn't pulled out uh, for for injury like that. That's an unbelievable mark. He didn't lose. Like Chad Kelly did not lose a football game. The one game that he was pulled out of for an injury, he was tied at the time. Uh, that that's an amazing thing. And yes, wins and losses aren't quarterback stats, but they sort of are. Like if the nominee had thrown for 450 yards every game, but had three wins on the season, he wouldn't be in this conversation at all. So wins and losses do actually matter. The other thing you can look at is value to their team. And I know it's not most valuable player. It is most outstanding player. There is a distinction there. But you look at, at those players if you're looking for, like, is there anyone on the Blue Bombers roster that I would trade for Chad Kelly? And the answer is no. I, there's not a single player on the Blue Bombers roster. I would, there's no player in the league that I would trade for Chad Kelly. Not one. And I, none that I would even think about. And so is there, are there players in the Argos I would not trade for Brady Oliveira? There's probably eight, nine. And so that on its own... For me, it's like maybe you got to take a closer look at this. And the Brady Oliveira thing is a wonderful story. For me, there's no like Chad Kelly is the best player in the CFL. And I don't think I don't really think it's actually that close. I think the only guy that can really come uh, in the same ballpark is Zach Caleros, but he's not up for the award. Brady yeah, Oliveira like, is like is Brady Oliveira better than AJ Olette? I would say no. Well, that's the thing. And like AJ Olette with the same circumstances, and everything else where they haven't wrapped up the division months ago. It's it's a very different thing. And I, I do think A.J. Olette is a better running back than Brady Oliveira. Now, running the football is about a lot of components. It's it's offensive line. It's situation dictated. It's also the threat from the quarterback. How, you know, how is the, the team playing it? And also, so, you know, A.J. is not Canadian and he doesn't take care of sick animals. <laughs> I, I don't know um, how to comment on that, but no, he's not Canadian. And um, it's not, I guess, a good story from that sense. But AJ is an amazing story um, in a different way. Like you you could get excited about AJ Olette in this category too. Well, I agree. I just don't think he has that juice that's going to put him in the MLP conversation at Oliveira. That's, that's what I'm saying. I just think the reality is it's a voted upon award and narrative matters. And I think Oliveira has got them a narrative this year. So yeah, I think I think Chad Kelly probably should win this award. I I agree with you. I think Brady Oliver probably does win it, but I I think that's I, I don't think that's the right decision. Uh, let's get to defensive player uh, Argos Adarius Pickett uh, won out in the East. It was actually probably easier for him to to win the East than it was his own team because we talked about how stacked this Argos defense was. You could easily have gone with a few different guys. I think Wendy McManus was probably uh, the the main guy that he's up against there. Wendy McManus and Darius Pickett, both outstanding defensive players, both had outstanding seasons. He's going up against Matthew Betts. Again, it's a Canadian with a record-breaking season. The sack master, Matthew Betts, had... Uh, an unbelievable year no question and I think it's the same thing again I think him being a Canadian he's a story um he's you know he's a pretty again a pretty interesting guy so is the Darius Pickett mind you but I think I think that's another one that I think I think Pickett probably should win but I think yeah Matthew Betts is mean, going to it it you know it, it is the nature that you know defensive linemen are um uh, measured by sacks and dbs are measured by interceptions the way wide receivers are measured by touchdowns um he has the sack he is the sack leader he is canadian i agree um i i don't think i mean he certainly is not as multiple as pickett when you look at at all of the things that he brings um i don't think it's 
I don't think it's a close conversation in terms of um, what what Pickett is asked to do and what he contributes to the total team defense. I think he's, you know, I would I would rather have Pickett than Betts. You know, I don't I think sacks are um, you know an overrated um, statistic, really, they, and often have very little correlation to success in terms of team success. Um, you know, like the number two guy in sacks is from Ottawa and the three and four are from Edmonton. <laughs> so I guess plug those sacks in everybody. And I'm not saying this is the case with bets. Cause I think he has had no, an and it's not season. He's not good, but right. And I'm not even saying like, but the sacks thing is like sacks. Sometimes not all sacks are the same. Like sometimes, but some of Bet's sacks, he absolutely earned where he fought through a block and used his skill and used his moves to be able to get around a guy, got to the quarterback. A lot of it's like that. He had a great year, so I don't want to take anything away from nope. that. But sacks are sometimes misleading. Sometimes they're the actions of other people on your line. Sometimes it's just situation. There's a miscommunication, whatever. They're harder to measure. Sometimes and so, yeah. Too, like some defensive coordinators, you know, send guys and it's like, not always, you know, it, it's not always um, what what you know, like that they're they're not always contributing in 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 ways on every down where yes, you're able to get a sack, but I'm not saying this for bets, but I I just think the, the they draw too much attention the same way interceptions do for DBs that there is a luck aspect and it it does it should not be the primary metric for defensive but for defensive linemen, but I understand. It, it is the most straightforward way of doing it. And but I, I hope the voters look at what Pickett did and the different things that he was asked to do and, uh, you know, take that into consideration. That's the thing with Pickett. And I think his value isn't always reflected in stats. And I think, unfortunately, again, you look at him as a, as a DB or a Sam linebacker DB. They're the same thing to me. But you look at him as a DB and his interception numbers are obviously not there. And that's, like you said, that's one of the ways in which DBs are our measure, but what Pickett brought was uh, pressure, uh, hurries, freeing up other guys. He contributed to the sack numbers of everybody else on the team because he disguised his blitzes so well and had opposing offensive lines in full panic. He also led to interceptions for his own teammates from his own blitzes and from disguising coverage, which he's so good at doing. And there's no stat for disguising coverage. And that's one of the most valuable things a DB can do is not let the quarterback know what he's going to see. And in fact, make the quarterback believe he's going to be something else. That, to me, that's the like the number one skill a DB can have. And that's not something you're going to find on a stats well, page. And I would look to like defensive tackles. Like, like if you look at stats and you look at who's leading in defensive tackles and you're like, I want all of those people on my team. Because and yeah. they're all over the field. Like if you look at like sort of a, a spray chart of where were the, was the tackle yeah. made, and Darius Pickett might be forty yards deep. He might be playing a deep middle of the field. He might be blitzing. He might be, uh, you know, playing over the middle. He might be playing flats. He could be anywhere on the football field. He was the most versatile player in the East Division by far. Yeah, I I, I just think he's, I think he's a more important part than than Betts. I mean, Betts is Betts is 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 good for sure. But, um, you know, I'd rather have a picket on my team than bets. And so at this point, we've got the Argos probably, in, in our view, I think we do we both think that they're 0 for 2 at this stage? Uh, mm, yeah, I think there I think there is a good chance that bets also gets that Canadian push from from the West voters. <laughs> Again, it's, it's such a it is a it is a good story. It's a great maybe, story. Maybe we'll be proven wrong. But maybe uh, it maybe. does. It does feel that way and then most outstanding canadian uh, this one the argos are not involved in uh toronto's nominee uh lost out to uh mark antoine de croix uh, that was royce mechie was the was the argos nominee and i i think i i understand that i think de had an amazing season and i think unfortunately for him he's going up against brady Oliveira coming out of out of the west and i don't think that's going to be close i think if you're talking about a Canadian for most outstanding player, then that same Canadian, unless it's just one of those weird years, uh, should probably um, should probably dominate that. So I, I would well, be right. stunned. I mean, I, I would hope that the voters would award Oliveira most outstanding Canadian and give Kelly the most outstanding player. That that would be my hope. And I think, like, I believe that would be the right thing to do, just based on what I've seen. And again, 
I'm not, I'm talking, we're talking about this from an Argos perspective because that's our podcast. We are an Argos podcast. We're talking about it, the Argos I, players and, specifically. And I think, you know, we talked too. I think that one of the things that hurts Kelly is because so many games, you know, he was in the win business. He wasn't in the stat compiling business. And because A, he had the number of games that, that didn't matter. And B, he had other games where he didn't need to um, keep putting up stats because they were taking control, you know, so... I do, I do think that hurts Kelly a little is that his stats are not eye popping. Yeah, if you just look at straight up stats, but like we talked about before, we've we've gone over this, but yeah, if you've got if you you have two quarterbacks, you look at a box score, and one quarterback threw for 450 yards and the other guy threw for like 280 with two touchdowns and no interceptions, that's the guy that won the game. Like always, right. always. If you're the guy that threw for 450, something went terribly wrong. And it's either your own fault, someone else's. You're not you're not winning football games that way. I think it's tough. With the awards, I think it's just so tough to to, you know, to outdo numbers. So we'll see. It is like at the end of the day, people look at stats and and that's often how it is decided because not everyone gets to see, uh, I guess, every single snap of every single game, I suppose. But uh, yeah, it is. It is unfortunate sometimes. Now, the next category, I do think the Argos are going to get a win. Uh, that's offensive linemen. And the Argos won the East uh, nomination there, Dijon Allen. Uh, he's up against Jamarcus Hardrick from Winnipeg. Uh, I think this, I'm not sure they got the right guy in the West. Like, I think Jarrell Broxton is probably the guy that should, like, to me, just in, this is just, you know, I don't grade those players in the West, but this is just, I, I test, to me, Broxton, I thought was the best offensive lineman in in the West. So I was a little surprised. Hardrick's great. Uh, and I think he had a fantastic season. I don't think either of those guys come close to what Allen has done. And I think the rest of the league agrees with that and sees that Allen is no longer a guy that's sort of in the shadows. I think he's really made a name for himself over this past year, especially with Toronto's offensive line putting up uh, close to historic numbers. They ended up giving up two sacks in that final game. Uh, with Cam Dukes in there, they get two sacks uh, and just missed their club record by one sack. But they allowed 19 sacks all season. They were dozens away from anyone else. Like the, the rest of the league combined averaged over 50 sacks given up. The Argos average or the Argos had 19 sacks given up. And he was the best player on that offensive line. And so for me, that's an easy one. And I do think the I do I do think the the voters from East and West, we'll see it that way. And so I think he will win offensive linemen. But it's it's so nice to see, like, he deserves so much to be recognized because he's been, this is not the first year he's been like this. He's been like this ever since he arrived in Toronto. Special teams player is an interesting one. Uh, JB, I'm going to turn to your expertise on this because yeah, you, you know specials better than I do. You've got Sean White from BC, who by advanced kicking metrics had the best season in CFL history. By traditional stats, uh, that's not necessarily the case. Now, he's not going up against another kicker, and that was what makes it even more difficult to quantify. He's going up against Javon Leak, who also had an outstanding season, the third best punt return season in CFL history, the best punt return season in Argos history, and that includes some great returners like like Pinball and, and, and Rocket. And like you can go on and on and on with all the Toronto returners they've had over the seasons. And and he's the best one. And so he's going up against a guy that's having a historic kicking season. How do you see this award going down? Um, I, I think it has to go to me. It has to go to Leak. I think that Leak was such a vital component of the, um, you know, the, the, the monolith that was the Argos this year. He he changed games with his return touchdowns. They weren't just random in blowouts. They were game-changing return touchdowns. And his field position work, he absolutely put the Argos in a fantastic position over and over and over again. And teams just constantly had to deal with the Argos basically starting at midfield um, all season. I, I think White was was good for sure. He was good. I just wonder, like, what is the difference between him and the next two kickers? Like, is, is there really that much difference between him and you know the the Winnipeg kicker or uh, you know even Beattie, um or the Calgary kicker? You know, I just I don't see the difference. I know that he 
he kicked a lot of field goals. He had a lot of chances. Certainly he, he took like, you know, 15 more um, kicks or something like that, more than Beattie. So he had way more chances and he still had a very good percentage. Thought he had a terrific field goal percentage um, year. For me, he would have to also excel at kickoffs to outrank Leak in terms of impact on the game and impact on winning. Um, you know, I, I just think that there are other kickers that were very close to him in percentage. And, uh, you know, I, I don't see, I don't see him stay. I don't see him that separated from his pack the way leak is from the other punt returners. So to me, uh, leak is, is the more important special team player. Like, would you trade white? I know my old argument, would you trade white for leak? Never, never. But you would certainly trade, uh, you know, you would do it the other way. If they're like, yeah. we'll give you, we'll give you leak if you give us white. But yeah, done. I think, or maybe also, they wouldn't, and they don't, and they were making a mistake. <laughs> well, let's also add in uh, white's kicking in a dome, right? The only kicker that is kicking inside. That's a huge difference to not have to deal with elements, not have to deal with wind for half of your games. Nine of his games are in a dome stadium where you don't have to deal with weather. There's no way, the rain. There's no wind. There's no snow. There's no combination of any of those things. It's perfect kicking conditions. You look at the NFL and the kickers that do well season after season. Dome kickers are always an advantage. Kickers that kick in Denver have an advantage because of the the altitude. Conditions matter to kickers. It does make a difference. And so to be the only kicker in a dome, again, I'm, this is not a Sean White bashing thing. No, Sean no, White no. had an amazing I, season, an amazing if, season. If you look, look, he had uh, 28 kicks over 40 and he made 25. Fantastic. Uh, Paredes had 30 kicks over 40 and made, uh, you know, 23. So, you know, what what are we looking at here? Yeah, and, and Paredes isn't even in the conversation here. And I think, like, if BD is up against White, and that's where it would have gotten really interesting. And Paredes had seven kicks over 50 and made six. And White had four over 50 and made two. So that's what I'm saying. I'm saying, like, statistically, I think he's almost identical to Paredes, and, you know, I think that that's great for him, and he had a great season. He's a good nominee, and he's not a long snapper, so I celebrate him, but come on. It's got to be uh, Leak Shore. You would take BD over White if it were BD as the nominee, right? Yeah, exactly. Just, because... just for his all-around use, you know, that is kickoff and punt. I mean, I, I you wouldn't trade White for BD. No, you wouldn't. I don't know. I, in fact, I don't know who you would trade for White. Uh, <laughs> again not i'm not trying to like let's not knock sean white too much like sean white had a great season he had a really yeah. good kicking season but we're talking about uh we're talking about multiple use from bd and bd got beat out by leak like on his own yeah. team and so if he's no, the representative I, I think, yeah and and leak was because i i and no i mean that's close for sure i think those two are, are the best i don't i don't think white is in the same category as those two and also white kicks at like 11 o'clock at night all the time <laughs> that I don't I don't know how that factors in, but the dome <laughs> thing does factor in for me. It factors in for me. Yeah. So uh, I I I don't I think I think White's gonna end up winning that one too. And it's Oh and my gosh. I, think is, I will uh, be I will be a ball of flame if Leak doesn't win special teams. Oh my I know, gosh. I know you will. And I'm excited for that, but I really no, I'd rather not enough. have to go through that because I think Leak deserves to win that award. He so. absolutely does. Uh, rookie of the year, I do think Toronto's going to get the nod there. Uh, this is a really, it, it's a much easier one, I think, for voters to quantify because it's the same position. Rookie of the year, you've got Kai Gray from Edmonton. You've got Quantas Stiggers from Toronto. Um, you can look at them head to head, even if you want to go old school stats and not even look at the film, no matter how you put Stiggers against Gray. And I, I really like Gray. I thought Gray was, I wasn't expecting much from him. And I remember the first time, Toronto went up against him. I started uh, looking at some film in the week leading up to it and say, oh, this, you know, this is kind of interesting to see what he does. He really impressed me. I thought he was doing a great job there. That said, he's not, Qantas Stiggers is, he's not going to be, one of these two guys is going to be in the NFL next year. And and I don't think it's Kai Gray. Stiggers is uh, one of the best, not just rookies, he's one of the best corners in the league. Qantas Stiggers should be an all-star. And so, yeah, I, I can't even imagine if knock on wood, you know, like I, I obviously only hope the best for him in his career. But if he he, he did come back next year, oh, my gosh, it's I mean, unbelievable. A season, of, a season of training and a season of film and working with the same coaches. I mean, 
I'm sure the coaches are just salivating at what they could do with him. I mean, to add in, they haven't really even seen what he can do in blitzing. Yeah, I know. They, they, I don't. How many times do they send stickers on a on a corner yeah, blitz? No, like right. So I mean, but I'm sure they would look at at him as somebody that they could really uh, build stuff around if 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 he if he is able to come back. I'm not sure they send him at all. Actually, I can't remember. No, I don't. I don't, remember I don't recall. Yeah, um, but that's not really. They don't really do that. That's they they half back blitz like every other snap, but they don't send a like corner blitzes are they, they're they're tough timing wise. But um, yeah, Quantas will probably win that award and very much deserves two. And so I think Toronto's got two now at this point going into our last one and probably should have five. Uh, Coach of the year, this one I think Toronto wins two. Uh, I think. Ryan Dinwiddie uh, ended up getting the the nod for the East. I think his toughest test was getting out of the East, and I think that was a that was a probably a pretty tight uh, vote with a lot of good conversations back and forth because Jason Moss in Montreal had a real case, and because as you'll discover in our in our next segment when we start bringing up the uh, preseason expectations. I thought Montreal was going to be terrible. I looked at their roster preseason. I thought they were going to be a terrible football team. And they've proved me more than wrong. They weren't, like, not only were they not terrible, they they ended up being a really good football team. And they got better throughout the year. They were playing great football by the end of the season. And you have to give credit to the head coach in that. And so Dinwiddie, I think, deserves it because he coached a, again, we, like we had, we didn't have Toronto as our number one pick preseason. We thought they'd be good. They were one of the best teams in CFL history with the most wins in CFL history. And he managed down the stretch to rotate guys in and still kept winning, went five and one over the last six games. That did, And those six games didn't even matter in the standings. He still went five and one. He's coaching Cam Dukes to victories. He's coaching rotating rested players on, on at receiver and running back. They're playing without eight or nine starters and they're still winning football games and that is among the many reasons Ryan Dinwiddie ended up coming out of the East but I, I do want to give Moss some credit there uh, so Dinwiddie's up against O'Shea in the West O'Shea's a great coach I think he's had seasons in the past where he definitely deserved to win the award and did I think this year Winnipeg was not quite the same Winnipeg I, I don't really think this vote's close I think Dinwiddie will win it and I think he probably should yeah, I agree. I think he he could have won it last year. I think you have to you have to give him it for one of these two years. Now, traditionally, and I think not incorrectly, teams that overachieve often win uh, best coach. And you know, obviously, overachieving is often a direct result of coaching. But you can only overachieve based on the roster that you have. So it's very difficult to ding a coach for not having to overachieve uh, with an excellent roster. I think Dinwiddie, I, I just don't see how you can have the two years he's put together. And in one of those years, not give him, uh, you know, coach of the year. Um, so I think, I think it should go to him this year. I think he has done an amazing job bringing, you know, I mean, it's not like he was rolling out there with uh you know, Cody Fajardo is somebody who's been co- you know, playing in this league for 10 years. I mean, he brought Chad Kelly along and they never missed a beat. So they they lost their MVP quarterback and got better. So to me, if that's not coaching, then then what is? And you're right that he like he probably should have won this award already, right? Look at that, look at the job he did in 2021, where he's a first year head coach and He's got a team with like three guys that had played for the Argonauts before. And he went out there and ended up finishing first place in the East Division. Like that should alone should have like that should have won him a coach of the year that year. And then the second year, he goes again, wins the East and wins the Grey Cup uh, against a powerhouse Winnipeg team. That should probably have won him coach of the year. I know the voting takes place before that that finishes. But and then you've got this season where, yeah, it's it's historic. This this has to be like it's a little bit of based on things he's done before, but you don't even need that. Sixteen think, and two—that's all you got to say. Yeah, and I, you know, th- sometimes that b- being the coach of a really talented team is held against you. Um, it happens a lot. Like it's just, that's not easy though. That doesn't make it easier in a no, lot of ways. No, no, I'm just saying that I know that often. You know that that 
it's harder. It's definitely harder to win coach of the year when you have a really good team. But uh, I think the quarterback thing is enough to clinch it for me. It's, he he didn't just rule out the returning Grey Cup champs. I mean, they literally had to change their quarterback and uh, they got better. So, yeah, I think I think he's been superb. And I will also be a ball of fire if he does not win that. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I do think I I think he I think he will win that. I don't actually expect that to be. Uh, I don't expect that to be one that we're talking about and having to have you go on a rant about. But like you're saying, like last year, O'Shea won Coach of the Year last year. It's not like he didn't have a good team last year when he won. Like that was... No, exactly. That's a stacked Winnipeg team. Yeah, it's Dinwiddie's time. And, you know, I think, uh, yeah, he's he's well-deserving of it. And, you know, let's hope I don't have to go go off on him. All right, JB, let's get into our... uh, Look back at our power rankings. We like to do this at the end of the year because it's like in in sort of a self-deprecating way. It's so hard to do. We made our first power rankings May 9th uh, was the day we made them. This is before any preseason games. So so young. So young. uh, A month before before anything happened. And uh, this was what we felt based on the roster moves that had been done. Now, had, had we just picked the standings that that ended the season last year, we would have been exactly right. Uh, because of course nothing changed in the weirdest way. I, I still don't know how that happened with all the with all the moving pieces. Like every quarterback was like shuffled around to a new team, and the standings finished the exact same as twenty twenty two. It's so weird to me. Same same East and West semifinals, but we didn't pick it that way. We thought there would be changes. We thought there would be some movement. It surprised me when I went back to look at our initial uh, rankings. We actually are not that far off. Uh, I knew we'd missed on a couple. I knew we missed really badly on Montreal. I knew you'd missed on Saskatchewan. We'll get to that in a minute. But almost everyone else was just off by one spot. Uh, Pretty much every other team, we thought they'd be the third best team and they end up being kind of the fourth best team. And so just taking a look at that. So uh, from, from ninth to first... So the ninth place team uh, you thought would be Edmonton. And even though technically, uh, no, Ottawa won the tiebreaker there. It is Edmonton. Yeah, they they actually are on point for that, right? Uh, yeah, Edmonton yeah. yeah, Edmonton loses that. Edmonton's going to have the first uh, overall pick. So yeah, Edmonton finished last. So um, yeah, you're, you're right on the money for that. I had Montreal, which is obviously a terrible blunder. I, I stand by it, though. When I looked at the roster, I didn't... I, this was not just me inventing something thinking like oh i want to shake it up and have something new i didn't see it and i i still don't really like look at the roster now there are a few guys that came out like i didn't know i didn't know what kind of a season austin mack was going to have i didn't know how much fajardo was going to bounce back but i still in some ways have no idea how they're winning these games but they're they've turned into a really good football team but it's in a in a very team oriented way not necessarily individuals shining a couple and you got some good defensive players Bevret I think is is outstanding Duquois having a great season that that D-line it actually sort of shows up at the right times and the O-line is protecting really well you've cut like Christian Matt is having maybe one of the best years of his career Justin Lawrence playing well at center they've got guys that are performing but it's not necessarily stars but it doesn't always need to be so I missed really badly on that so not they they ended up being I, I think the fourth best team in the league and I had them nine. That's that's a pretty big miss. Uh, I had Edmonton at eight, which is pretty good. You had Montreal at eight. And so that's you didn't miss as badly as me, but that's still a pretty bad miss. <laughs> well, in our defense, they the player the quality of talent that they lost, yeah, there was really no reason for them to be to be as good as they were, but nonetheless. But again, tip of the hat to to Moss, because that 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 tells you the job that that coaching staff did. Uh, in seventh, I had Saskatchewan, and that is where they end up. Um, you did not have Saskatchewan seventh. We'll get to where you had them in several minutes from now. Uh, you had Ottawa uh, seventh, which, again, that's not a bad miss. That's pretty close. They're, they end up uh, in eighth, I would say. Uh, I have Ottawa six. You had Calgary six, which is only one spot. Um, or are we six? Yeah, sorry. You have Calgary six, which is... Which is right. That's that's where I would have them. Um, I have Calgary fifth. Uh, you have BC fifth, which isn't too far off. But I think you thought I didn't. I don't think you thought Vernon Adams was going to have as good a season as he ended up having in BC. I'm not sure. I thought that either. 
no, he 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 surprised me. To be honest, I thought that I thought it would be more the Vernon Adams we saw in Toronto. Yeah, those in those Montreal in and those now in Montreal my, games. Also, so Montreal won eleven games, but they won seven against the Hamilton and Ottawa. Seven. Yeah, well, Toronto also won a lot of games against Hamilton and Ottawa. <laughs> also what. seven. Yeah, but so. I mean. You know, we still had five more wins than Montreal. So it's true. And that's the one knock against Montreal is that seven they are, of eleven is a pretty big percentage. Montreal was winless against Winnipeg, BC, and Toronto, and yeah. but didn't lose a game against anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> no, they they had a very soft uh, final month. Yeah, the, but they. I don't know. The, I think this. I still think we're wrong in having them eighth and ninth. I think that's yeah, on us. Potentially. Uh, for fourth, I had BC, uh, which is is pretty close. I think they're third. Uh, you had Hamilton. Yeah, I think we were more wrong on Hamilton than Montreal. Had we known Hamilton was going to be as poor as they were, that, that probably changes things. But I think they sort of came out of it, though. Like, I think Hamilton's playing really good football right now. They, now well, they, right. That's what I mean. I think they should have been closer to where we picked them. Right. They, okay. I see what just, you're saying. And therefore, Montreal would have lost a couple of those games and that would have evened it out. I think, I think Hamilton, you know, being terrible and going over three against Montreal kind of tilts things. Ham- Hamilton looked, when they were at their worst in the, in like midsummer, they looked like the worst team in football. And yeah, the way they played the last few weird, weeks, like, I don't want any part of, of playing Hamilton because they can, they can come out and, and play a, a sensational game. But they can also be terrible. And lately, they've been hitting on almost everything. So that's not a... That's a team that got hot at the right time. The, the Argos are in tough because both Montreal and Hamilton are playing their best football right now. And the Argos haven't really had to put down uh, you know, their foot on the gas for a while. So that that could be... I'm, I'm a little nervous about whichever team that is. I'm a little nervous for Toronto in what's going to happen in that first quarter when... You kind of yeah, have to I'm, go I'm, I'm once not, again. I really am not. I think Toronto is just Toronto's just much better. I think they're just deeper and more talented, and you know, we'll just just have to do what they do. But we can get into that later. Yeah, we got time for that. Uh, number three, I had Hamilton there, and I, again, I thought Hamilton would be good all year long, not just the last few weeks. Uh, and this is where you had Saskatchewan, JB. What <laughs> went wrong with your Green Riders this year? <laughs> I mean, I you know, Regina, I feel your pain. Uh, I don't know what went wrong. I, I couldn't believe that they were going to go winless in September and October again. Like, <laughs> I, I didn't think that that was possible. I felt like COVID threw the train off the track last year, and they never really got it back. But with this season off, you know, they would write, write the ship, and they just didn't. Um, you know, quarterback getting hurt obviously hurt that a great deal. But even when when he was there, they just I don't know, there was something off about them. They they were not as good at home as they should have been. Um, you know, the West was t- tougher, I think. I think the West was tougher to play against. I think those are tougher games to play not Edmonton, but you know, to play Calgary and BC and Winnipeg more often. Yeah, they just, you know, I mean, obviously the the ownership agreed and fired everybody. So <laughs> I feel I feel like ownership and I were in the same boat and I also would have fired everybody. But I think that that Trevor Harris injury is bigger than you're yeah. kind of acknowledging. They they make the playoffs if Trevor Harris doesn't get yeah, hurt. Well, 100%. Because they win one of those last seven games. They don't they don't go 0-7 down the stretch with Harris. Like they, they won't. Know. There's no way they do. They win one of those games and they're in the playoffs, and this is a very different conversation. I think if Harris doesn't get hurt, I don't know if they're the third best team. I think well, no, I, I know they're I not. Mean, and I can't believe I can't believe they lost that game to Toronto. I know. I know. Oh that was still God. that I mean, that was the one where like phones were thrown across the room and and <laughs> and uh nooses were tightened so going on to the number two team we had toronto but both of us had toronto finishing two winnipeg finishing one and when i listen back to our it's funny you know you listen back to that segment there's some detail we have on some of these things you were really on on some stuff really really off as well but like Mm -hmm. you called you called the jeremiah masoli injury and that was what was going to lead to ottawa's downfall um you had a few things in there 
we both thought that you couldn't rank Toronto one without having seen more from Chad Kelly. We've both felt he was going to be great, but we needed to see it. We weren't yeah, just going to give I, I it to Toronto. I think we both felt the first five games were going to have more growing pains. And he he just played way more inside himself than we thought he would. Well, he was 5-0 and oh in those first yeah, five games. And, but yeah, but you know, he, he wasn't the Chad Kelly from the Montreal game. You know, he wasn't, you know, he had little flashes of it. But he, yeah, he... He played with more maturity and poise than uh, than we thought he would to start the season. Way more. And that's where we give credit to Dinwiddie, too, from being able to coach that into him. Because his instincts are to, to roll the dice. His instincts are to... And usually for, for gain, you know, not loss. Like, he's, he's a... He's the kind of uh, gambler as a quarterback that you like to have on your team. Because most of the time it works out. He's He takes risks, but... That's not how he played at all this season. He played, and not conservatively, like he still threw the ball downfield. But I think we thought he was going to be way more volatile. I think we thought the highs and lows were really going to spike. And we didn't get that all. We got really consistent, strong play. And you get the occasional risk. But most of the time it was sensible stuff. Like even the risks weren't really, like it was letting his guy go make a play. I also subscribe to sporting gods and jinxes. So that's not a thing. (laughs) <laughs> well, well, we'll see. But I, you know, I I didn't want to go too high on the, on the double blue. And we had uh, Winnipeg finishing first, uh, and really, that's not far off. I think, I think Winnipeg has a case uh, for yeah, they, for being they, they one t- or I think two. They had, a, they had a tougher schedule. Yeah, and you know, um, they did beat Toronto you know, with an asterisk, if you will. But yeah, that's a, that game doesn't count either way because but, we didn't um, get the real Winnipeg yeah, or the I, real I Toronto. Think, I don't, I don't see. Yeah. Like you should, at the end of year, I would rank Toronto one over Winnipeg, but I mean, just barely. Yeah. Winnipeg, I, I think had a great season. They had weird slip ups though. And that's what Toronto didn't do. Like Toronto, Toronto's weird slip up. The only one they had wasn't a slip up because their quarterback got hurt. Chad Kelly gets hurt right at the start of the second quarter. They get blown out by Calgary. But, you know, with Cam Dukes not expecting to play, uh, it was was, everything about that game was weird. That was their only slip up. And I don't even call it that. Winnipeg, they lost to Ottawa. They they lost to Hamilton. They almost lost to Edmonton. They were down 22-0 to Edmonton and their starting quarterback came out. And that was what actually sort of led to them winning somehow in a miracle fashion. Uh, and so they're not the same Winnipeg that they've been the last two seasons. I think Winnipeg's team last year was a lot better than Winnipeg's team this year. And I'm surprised by that because what we said in those preseason rankings was we acknowledged that throughout the entirety of last season, that Winnipeg was the best team in the CFL. Toronto got hot at the right time and played better in the Grey Cup. But Winnipeg was the consistently the best team last year. And we felt that they had gotten better, that they had added pieces in the right places bringing in Lawler and all the different changes they made, we thought they were going to be way better than last year's excellent team. And I think they were were not as good as last year. All right, JB, let's get into this Hamilton-Montreal game. Uh, What's this going to look like to you? Like, we didn't really, I don't think we got any sense of it from last week's game. Like, there was nobody trying to, you know, they're not showing anything. What do you expect to see on Saturday? Uh, rock fight. I think these two teams are almost identical. Um, I know that Montreal has won three in a row uh, over Hamilton, but uh, I think Montreal at home is the, the you know the record wasn't quite as formidable as it has been in other years, but I still think beating Montreal in Montreal is tough. It's gonna be a great crowd there. I think it's gonna be a really close game. I, I think it's going to come down to either a miss kick or a rouge or a, you know it, it. There is no chance this game is not within three points in the final minute. In my opinion, I think they are they are identically um, at the same place. I think Hamilton probably is a little more talent on paper, but I think that um, it it's going to be really close, really physical. Uh, I think that Montreal is does a good job of of when they are playing well of keeping teams. Their their defense actually is is a little underrated. I think that they occasionally will 
come up with the, you know, they have the ability to come out and really kind of smother teams. Like they won some, they won some, uh, some blowout games this year. Uh, but then other times the de- you know, the defense was sort of Jekyll and Hyde. So I, I think that's potentially there, but I think it's really close. I think Montreal wins, you know, uh, like 25, 21 over Hamilton, just because, um, they're at home, and I think that they are confident in what Hamilton does. Um, but it, it's going to be one of those games where the turnovers are going to matter, where, you know, if Montreal turns the ball over three times, Hamilton probably wins. So it's it's really, not to get too cliche about it, but I think that's what's going to happen. I think that Toronto has enough talent to overcome a turnover mismatch, but Hamilton, Hamilton Montreal don't. I think I think the team that that turns it over more is going to lose that game. I think it's going to be very similar to how you described it. I think it's going to be a fantastic football game. I'm looking forward to this one. I can't, I can't even watch this one live though. My, my kids are playing in their own championship games. So I've got to go watch that and then PVR it and try not to check social media or anything. Cause I want to watch that game as a fan. And then I'll watch it again, kind of looking at it for our, for our uh, setting up our, our midweek podcast as we do our pregame walkthrough pod. But I want to watch it just as a football fan and sit down there with with a bag of chips and a, and a longbow pale ale and just watch a, a great football game. I'm going to be so disappointed if it's not a good one because it's going to be like late at night by the time I actually sit down to watch this thing. And, and like not, you described, last possession, I do think it's going to come down to those the final minute. I'm not as worried, but I definitely, you know, from an Argo perspective, I would prefer Montreal to win. I think you can have way less fans. Think that Toronto can handle Montreal. I don't want to play Hamilton for like at least two more years. Um, you know, I I would I would prefer Montreal. I really I really would. I I also don't want Chris Edwards to come to BMO. <laughs> so, so I I think I think Hamilton's actually going to win this game. Uh, the more mm-hmm. I thought, I originally thought I think Montreal's a better. I was going to say I think Montreal's a better team. I'm not sure. I do think that. I think Montreal has a is more consistent i think they're a very actually i think they might have been the most consistent team all year that wasn't toronto hamilton has spikes they're able to play better than montreal is able to play they've got a higher ceiling they've also got a much lower floor i i feel like everything is working out for hamilton right now i think they're in a really good place i love what they've got in their two quarterbacks i think it's the correct way to handle it believe i mitchell will start I think Schultz is going to come in at some point. I think he's going to come in for more than Hamilton's letting on to. I don't think it's just going to be in for a run here, in for a run there. I think Schultz is coming in for for series. I think that's what we're talking about. And I think he is going to be the difference maker in this game. I think Hamilton wins this late 28-25, something like that. I think it's going to be a fantastic football game. Like you, I think the matchup is better with Montreal in that I think, like I said, you know what you're getting from Montreal. Hamilton's just a little bit more of an X factor. They didn't, they didn't get any good games out of Hamilton this year. Hamilton was terrible. Every time the Argos played them, Hamilton was terrible this season. And that's not the Hamilton Tiger Cats that are playing right now. They're, they're very different right now. And so I think that puts Toronto at a disadvantage. Montreal gave Toronto a fight and Toronto knows what Montreal is capable of. They know where their ceiling is already. They've seen it. And it took everything they had to overcome it. Those two games in Montreal came right down to the end of the fourth quarter. But they've seen it. They know where that is, where that level is, and they can get to that. I don't think Montreal is surprising you with anything. So I think as Argos fans, you have to cheer for, you're cheering for Montreal. But I think Hamilton wins this game. All right, JB, let's get to our CFL picks, which is just one game. But before we get into that, we got to just sort of sum up how everything finished. So um, you did very badly in one thing. You did very badly in one thing, very well in another thing. So (laughs) just summing up our put me down for 20. So JB, you ended up with no golden fleeces. Um, That was the goal, right? To get to zero by the end of the season? And you timed it perfectly. Uh, (laughs) Right on the last day of the season, you hit zero. So well done, you. (laughs) A Um, million did. Yeah. So yeah, 200 golden fleeces at the start of the year, but at least, you know, you didn't, you didn't run out in September. That would have been, that would have been an issue. Uh, you made it to the end of the season. Uh, your, your futures bet that we said at the beginning of the year did not come through. Oh, 
Um, and so, um, you know, that unfortunately, was, that was bad circumstances too. I, I didn't know the Argos were only going to play 11 games. <laughs> yeah. You had Jack Kelly winning, uh, the passing or being the passing yards leader at the end of the season, but yeah, he, he barely played down the stretch. Um, so obviously that wasn't going to come through. I'm not sure it hits anyway, but, um, yeah, that didn't get close. Uh, I've still got one bed in play. So I'm currently sitting at 364 golden fleeces. And I have the Argos to win the Grey Cup at an astonishing plus 650 because pregame they were the fourth uh, favorite to win the Grey Cup. And that, our preseason, I mean, uh, the fourth favorite to win the Grey Cup. So uh, I could end up with 439 Golden Fleeces. Uh, mm-hmm. But if the Argos do not win the Grey Cup, I end up with 364. So that's where that finished for us. Uh, and then in the CFL picks, JB, you had a heck of a weekend. Um and I don't even feel like you picked the teams you wanted. You just picked the teams I didn't pick. Don't, don't worry about why I picked my teams. <laughs> well, you said as you're picking them, well, I don't think this is going to happen, but I'll pick uh, this team. Well, that was just me throwing you off the scent. So you went 3-0 and in the final week. Three I went 1-2. What a closer. That is how champions are built. And so JB, after the entire season, wins by one game, 53 <laughs> and 28. I was 52 and 29. And so I have to buy a flight of beer at something in the water, which we'll have to do in the coming weeks. Maybe we do that after Grey Cup week. Uh, maybe we maybe we record our, our final pod of the season yeah, uh, with some with a flight of uh, of beer going on there. That's true. It could be my final one if I have a couple and then get on the mic. <laughs> That's right. That's right. That could be that could be the end of everything. <laughs> Season finale. All right. Well, we got to get out of here and wrap this thing up. But yeah, I'm excited for football this week. It's a stress free week for Argos fans who get to sit down and watch what is at least going to be. Oh, we didn't. I can't sign off. Yeah, we didn't pick our BC Calgary game. We got to get to that one first. So. I think I think BC blows the doors off Calgary in BC this week. Uh, what is your yeah. pick for that yeah, game? I, I think so too. Think so. Hope so. Um, BC is the better team. I, I, you know, the wild card is Vernon Adams. He can implode. He can get hurt. Um, Calgary is a bit of a wild card that sometimes they are much better than they should be. Uh, but all things being equal, I think I think BC gets it done. And I think BC Winnipeg is going to be a terrific game. I, I, I do not want to see Calgary on my television set anymore. Uh, amen. Well, that would just about do it for us on this playoff bye week episode of the X's and Argos podcast. For JB, this is Ben Grant saying so long and may all your pre-snap reads be good ones. I'll see ya. Fight the foe!